What up, what up, America? Yes, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood. <laughs> As my buddy James James Brown used to say, you know, got to get it on the good foot. Good God. Ain't that something? Ain't that we, something? we did, baby. We did. Congratulations, America. The long nightmare is over now. We got other things we can fight about, but for the moment, we're going to celebrate. Right. Well, welcome to the Michael Steele podcast. I'm Michael Steele. This is such a treat for me particularly the day after the inauguration of the 46th president of the United States, Joe Biden, to have D.L. Hughley in the house. Bam. How you doing? Good to I see you. Happy New Year to you. Happy, Happy New, New Year, Year to you, okay. brother. I must have done something right in my life. I don't know, man, to get, <laughs> to get this brother on the podcast. You guys, let me just, I got to, you guys know him. He's a stand-up comedian, actor, political commentator, radio host, um, he is one of the original kings of comedy, which if you have not seen that, then you need it's, to- It's 25 years too late, so we ain't, we ain't gonna do it. You just need to tear up your card. <laughs> right. <laughs> tear right. up your card. Don't right. even Absolutely. pretend anymore. <laughs> um, his comedy specials are legendary on HBO, Netflix, Comedy Central, and Showtime. Um, he's just been doing such great work. Um, he's this great uh, documentary special, D.L. Hughley, The Endangered List, received the prestigious George Foster Peabody Award. <laughs> Brother got an award. <laughs> not bad, not bad. Uh, created and starred in the ABC sitcom, The Hughleys, and is the author of the New York Times bestseller, How Not to Get Shot, and Black Man White House and was selected as a finalist uh, for the Goodreads Choice Awards. You've been doing it. It's a, a new year, new president, DL, what more can I say? What was your impressions of, of the inauguration uh, after, I mean, cause you have been, you were one of these folks that used your celebrity in um, I think an important way. Um, and, and you really kind of stay true to your comedy, because you talk about politics and stuff in your comedy, right. Right. a lot of folks, it must have been kind of nice just to sit there and go, damn, I'm glad this shit's done. <laughs> I, th that was very nice. And I think that, you know, I, but obviously now uh, that was very nice. And but I, I was I was off. I was more um, saddened by the things I didn't see. Uh -huh. um, like I thought that there was such um, we, we, we were so we were falling over ourselves to talk about the peaceful transfer of power and to, well, it's easy to look like a peaceful transfer of power when you have 25,000 armed troops in your streets. Yeah. When two when two weeks before there had been an armed insurrection where they t tried to thwart the very process that we were now watching. And so it seemed disingenuous because the whole world knew what had happened. Right. And rather than dealing with that, we pretended like, oh, we're just, this is what makes America, we, we look like Venezuela, we look like any other banana republic. And I think we're in such a hurry to, to gloss over that, that we don't take time to account. Democ democracy is such a fragile thing. And we really have never had a president, um, like, like it, Joe Biden thanked um, 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 Mike Pence, which uh, two weeks later in that very spot, people were trying to hang him. Right, right. So I just think that, you know, as, as pleased as I was, and as happy as I was, I, obviously, I think there's a lot of work to do um, and a lot of uh, promises to keep. But I just was more saddened by the fact that uh, we that this nation, based on a lot of lies, 
I had 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 just devolved to that level. It just was very sad. Well, it, you know it, that it, it, you you opened up a number of doors there, um, which I think are important because there was the celebratory nature of yesterday in the traditional manner, and right. with COVID and all that, they did their best to kind of uh, adapt and adjust to some of that sure. reality, sure. Uh, and to have the pomp and stir- circumstance. So it's great to see uh, Kamala do her thing. Um, good to have Joe Biden on the stage. The but, poet was extraordinary. All of that. That was right. The, the, the after, I mean, the uh, inauguration, the celebration. Oh my God, that, that was amazing. It was, uh, it was, and I think they've done an exceptional job. Um, I think that, you know, you've been to a, no, a number of right. inaugurations as, as have I, and they're very exclusive. You go to this party, see this act, you go to this party. And right. so it just, it was an invitation for the entire country to see. And it was very celebratory. But, but at the root of this, we're pretending, we're pretending uh, and obviously, you know, and then, then the fact that the president, uh, such as he was, wasn't even there, that, that there yeah. was no honoring uh, the traditions that now we're, we're extolling the virtues of. It just seemed hypocritical. Well, I, I mean, I, I guess I, I see that. Um, but do, do you really think, you, I don't know so much it was pretending as it was trying to make good of a bad situation. Uh, but but I but I, also, I mean, in other words, what are you going to do? I mean, look, I called it back in October. Donald Trump wasn't going to the inauguration. I mean, I know the man. I just know his M.O. Right. He, right. He, we knew that. So everybody running around acting like this brother's going to show up is like, OK, don't be stupid. He's not going. Right. All right. right. So you make the best of a bad situation. My takeaway, though, was in doing that. What Joe Biden has to do now is sort of cleave as much of that 74 million that stood with Trump back into earth two i mean earth one but i don't i don't know how that's i i, I sincerely um, don't know how that's possible because even after there was an armed insurrection where multiple people died where people were chanting right like we're talking about minutes where people several american leaders could have been slaughtered we're not right. talking we're talking about minutes so now okay so so we go uh so i think even after that he still enjoys almost 80 percent uh, support. So what do you right. do with those people who after there's to me, they're lost. There's nothing you can yeah, do. I, I agree with that. But my, my point is that that's not all that does not comprise the entire 74 million people who voted for him because they're not that many Republicans. I mean, Republicans only make up 20, 28 percent of of registered voters. And and we know a significant number of them voted for Joe Biden. They had to in certain states. Otherwise, he wouldn't have won Georgia. Um, so the so the reality the reality of it is, and this is I think one of the interesting dances that Joe Biden's going to have to do, is that while you're talking unity and bringing the country together, and we can get into some of the some of the folks on my side who are talking unity who weren't about unity at all up until right. they got caught. Um, he you have to figure out how you recognize it of that 74 million, probably a good. 60% of them are not, they're not hardcore Trumpers. I don't believe, I disagree. I disagree. So you I really think, think 74 million people I'm going to tell you my honest in this country are, are, are that down with Trump? I absolutely do. Okay. I absolutely do. I, I, I will not, I'm not, I'm not one of these people. I think that when you saw what happened, all of the things that, all of the atrocities that happened under this president and more people voted for him, I think that either they're racist or not opposed to racism. I think that those people did not care and do not have either they I, I, I do not understand right um 
uh, I, I can understand deeply held political beliefs. I, I can understand that. Gotcha. You're a very principled man. You right. are, and you, you. I am. A, I am a Democrat. You are a Republican. But there's something that you where you went. That's enough. Right. There, there, there were lines. What was it in those people? <laughs> what kind of mechanism Good in point. those people did not engage their humanity to such extent that it was intolerable? Yeah. And if that is the case, we are on such demonstrably uh, different sides of the line that I don't see. Uh, listen, the one thing I respect about Republicans, big margin or small, they govern the way they want to. They use power. They don't just hold it. Right. I think I think he should try to get things through in a, in a conciliatory way. And if it doesn't bludgeon them like they used to do. So 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 you're you're you would you would not be adverse to Joe Biden. Uh, having a conversation with Majority Leader, uh, Pres Majority Leader, um, uh, well, Senate President Sh uh, Schumer, uh, and saying, um, "Hey, filibuster rule. Let's get rid of it." I, I think that in this, they should govern like they should in, in the terms of dealing with the opposition. They should deal with them the way Republicans do. They should bully the shit out. Well, I think you know, I, I look, dude, I've been saying that for years to my Democratic so, friends. I'm like, so, I don't know what the hell y'all don't so, get about what we do. And, and I don't think and I'm like, fuck them. I, I really I have. I'm not one of these men or people who said we should begin to forget. I think that what happened in this country, even when I watch the election now, they're talking about changing the election. We need to look. We need to have we need to look 160 million people voted. You lost. Right. And, right. and now your response is that there's such a something has gone so demonstrably wrong that we need to change the rules and what you're saying to me is what you don't want is black and COVID allowed a couple of things one it saw uh it's we just saw what rank uh inco incompetence looked like right we saw what death looked like uh it also made it more convenient for americans to vote and many more did that's just i mean i think it was one of the parts and so what they're trying to do is they want and Republicans generally want it, want it harder to vote. They don't want as many people to vote. I think if we if we extol the virtues and tell, tell us that how important the vote is and how it makes us who we are, then we should make it as easy as possible. People shouldn't have to leave their homes. People should be able to vote the way they order food, because the truth is they're not, they're not worried about the truth is they're not worried about voter fraud. They're worried about their message is not really geared for, for winning a general election. And they know that they have to mitigate black and brown voices to, they haven't won a, a general election in almost 30 some years. So obviously their message didn't resonate. Right. And they want to keep it that way. And they're not going to change their message. So I think so the how, only way you- How do you then, how do, uh, so how do you see Democrats reconciling these, these two competing interests? And you set them both up both very nicely. One is the, the interest, uh, to, to govern um, and to use power to govern, right? Sure. Uh, and the second is, what are you governing on? So then that gets you into some of the more slippery slope elements of, of the policy versus the politics that Democrats typically trip over. Right. Case in point, 2018, Democrats make a cogent narrative, a conversation or have a cogent conversation with the American people that wins them enough seats to win, to take the house, right? And they talked about important stuff, healthcare, the economy, et cetera. Sure. They win. Sure. 2020, they start talking about Green New Deal and uh, defunding the police and they lose 11 house seats. So how, do, where, where is that? I, 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 well, I understand, I, I disagree with the allocation. I, I think 
more people voted. Uh, I think that in 2018, but they still vote, lost 11. They, they, they lost, lost 11 seats. seats but I don't know that it was. I think that more people who ha hadn't voted did vote, and those people didn't like Trump or were inclined to not like some of the Democratic policies anyway. So, so I don't, I don't know that that, but I, but I still think, uh, I think that there are a couple of things we would do. I think that it is an abomination that we have so many people that are stricken with the disease of poverty. I think right, right away, immediately- We're on the same page they, there. They should raise the minimum wage to 15 to $17. That mm -hmm. was, that was that, but no, there are just as many poor white Republicans as there are black Democrats. Oh, so I think- Can I tell you there are more? <laughs> okay, so I think that the governing from that perspective- <laughs> I think that the governing from that perspective, that immediately gives people Okay, uh, I think that healthcare. We have to find a way to make sure that the healthcare isn't so that doesn't vacillate so much. It, we, we especially we've seen the importance of it, particularly during uh, this pandemic. I think that we have to mitigate. Uh, we ha we have to get our hands around and manage the be as best we can, as best anybody can, this pandemic and create the kind of confidence and economic right. uh, uh, you know engine that we need. And the other thing, I think, in black black and brown people need to have access to the livers. Of, of wealth making mechanisms in this country. I think that, that because here's the thing, Michael, and you know this, the, it, it, our economy has, we've tried at the top down, we've tried at the middle now. Anything that is built on a rocky foundation, we should be, be building an economy from the bottom up. Yeah. And I yeah. think that's everybody. Yeah. I think people don't understand what's good for black and brown people is in essence good for this country. It's good. Yeah, always has been. So, but but we have to, and, and but we have a very stark, this time, Joe Biden doesn't win without them. And I think that well, something very significant happened. The election happened. We had a demagogue who used the levers of power in a very corrupt, corrupt, corrupt manner. I think we saw that. I think the culmination of that was the, the insurrection. But I think that they were you know, trying to strip the post office, uh, doing what he did there. Engaging armed, uh, you know, armed militia to try to intimidate. But he, did, he, he ran the gamut and he still lost. Right. Because black and brown people, and I think that scares a lot of people. So Joe Biden won because black and brown and Indian and you know and young white people beat a system. It is so hard to beat an incumbent uh, president, particularly a corrupt one, and they still did it by millions and millions of votes. So he's beholden to these people. Th this 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 idea of of this the, the white middle class or these the white the working class, they you need to dance with the one that brung you. And if you right. don't dance with the one that brought you, you're going to lose. Yeah. You, you typically go home alone. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> we, so. I, I've been to that prom. So <laughs> oh, let's not go through high school. I know, I know. When I'm neither so one of us were as cool and dapper as we are. Now. No, no, no. We don't do the yeah, tall and lanky. It's like, dude, right. you have a thing. Come on, fool. Don't be stupid. We are talking to the incredible D.L. Hughley. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, his latest book, which I think the title alone will tell you exactly <laughs> the point. We'll be right back. I'm sports psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I created the Sportsmanship Foundation to promote and educate parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Learn more at winnersunlimited.com. That's winnersunlimited.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Michael Steele podcast. And we're having a great conversation with my buddy D.L. Hughley. Here's the deal. He's got this book out. Now, Dix, <laughs> take a peep at this title. Surrender, white people, are our unconditional terms for peace. I love that title. And I love the essence of that book because that speaks to a narrative 
that I think has emerged more recently in the black community that you, you kind of look around going, you know what? <laughs> the hell with this shit y'all right. need to listen up to what the terms right. of engagement are right because right. we've typically come to the tables asking may i please right. can i right. is there a seat for me here right what, what give us the give us the the gist of where you're going with this with this well i think idea. Uh, i think it's it's not uh, in, in a in, on a war footing although no we it's think, not I think it's this, not i think that but it is surrendering your notion of supremacy. Everybody feels entitled to something. Right. I should have got that job. I, I'm better than him. But when you have a whole group of people that feel inherently entitled, you have a system that is inequitable. And, and I think um, we, we, we are, in order to get a statue in America, the, the predicate for getting a statue in America is to brutalize black people. Like, yeah. like, brutalize, like it, it, the last white dude who got a statue and didn't fuck over black people was rocking. He beat the shit out of Apollo Creed and Clever Lane. <laughs> but we, we, we memorialize our, our tormentors. It is everywhere. It, 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 we want, it is everywhere. It is entrenched in almost everything we do. And I think that there are people who, who inherently know that it's wrong and the system is, is, is flawed, yeah. but they benefit for it, from it and they don't want to disturb it too much. And they want to... This is why I like talking to you, because I hadn't really looked at that through that lens, that in this country, we do tend to memorialize our tormentors. We make statues to them. Sure. We write movies and books about them. Um, and, and we really don't, we don't even begin to scratch at the pain that's left behind for Black folks when that happens. And which is why I think it's so important to hear and see now, particularly on the heels of the murder of George Floyd, black folks saying, nah, we're tired of explaining this shit to you. But you know I what, mean, Michael, to your cause, point- Because that's all we wind up doing. We explain, everybody goes, oh, thank you. And they move on. And then, and you know, it was, it was galling to watch people doing when the impeachment proceedings, they talk about, I'm glad you're saying something now because you didn't say nothing during the protests during the summer. We were protesting because uh, and I, Ahmaud Arbery got killed and wouldn't have been by anybody would have been in cut by the count unless it was a video. We watched George Floyd get killed and we watched Breonna Taylor get killed. You were protesting because you lost an election that you set the terms for. Don't don't. In, uh, it's, it's we we protest because the system doesn't work. You protest what it did. And what you do is this sameness. Oh, just as like that. We are nothing alike. Right. We are fighting for the, for our day in court to be represented. You had sixty four days in court, and you lost every one of them. Right, you lost every <laughs> one of them. Right. Do not make these false comparisons. You and I have diametrically opposed political ideas, but the one thing that we always agreed on is the level of humanity. Right, and I think that they they get to be inherently inhumane and pass that off as as tough love, as tough love. Yeah. Why are we even hearing about a man? This man, this man right now, what, what they're telling us is, well, you know, he's out of office now. He's, 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 so he's, the, the worst thing that could happen to a white dude is he loses his job. Fuck that. That man broke the law and he should go to jail. <laughs> That's so true. That is, but that is the worst thing that can happen to him. He loses his job. There we are. Or I have to say, I'm sorry. Let me ask you something. This dude, he, he tried to overthrow the Capitol. If a black dude broke into Capitol One, they wouldn't be having that same thing. No, they would not. So I just, I just there, would be, there, there would have been there would have been uh, body tape on the ground. Exactly. And <laughs> I don't right. even think 
I, I just think that even the way, like, I don't think those, I don't think those police officers, I think that, you know, obviously we have a problem with policing because so many police officers were involved in the attempted overthrow of the government. So at least 20, well, 30 that's something. that's a whole other thing, right? <laughs> so we, at least we can admit that there is a inherent problem with law enforcement. But the idea that uh, these armed men and those police officers show restraint, what they, they didn't, I don't believe they were as restrained as they were fearful. So that's what fear looks like. When you're afraid that taking lethal action could result in, 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 in uh, to set off a chain reaction and a lot of people lose their lives, that's fear. That's right. real fear. It isn't the fear you're taught to say that you had in the academy. It's the right. real fear. <laughs> so, it's the real fear you're fucking born with. So I just think when I see these things, um, it is impossible for me to disengage from a level of humanity that in, to a large degree, I noticed that a, a great percentage of those 74 million uh, people that we want to parse out have, right. have disengaged from. Yeah. You can watch children and like, it's just, th there's a level of humanity. I think that they have ceded their edge to. And I just, I, I just. Well, you think know, it's funny. You, you talk about the fear uh, and, I, I was talking to a buddy of mine and, and now I wish I could relive that conversation because what I would say to him, you just made me think of it, was if you want to get a sense of the fear of black people, go back and watch the tape of Officer Goodman confronting those white, <laughs> exactly. right, white insurrectionists exactly. coming at him. But then look at what he did, how he saved white America. Yeah by yeah. looking to his left and recognizing that down that hall was the vice president in the US Senate, and then look to his right and move that crowd away from taking because. complete control of the Capitol. I said, so I think for me, that action, that moment sort of crystallizes what you just said about how that fear can, can so people can understand and manifest that fear, even when we are our most afraid standing up against the opposition we have always and seemingly continue to protect a country that doesn't really love us or no care for us the way it America should. Like black people, it's true. no one. And you can say, let me tell you, we've been mad about a lot of things. We ain't talking about these people threatened to rape and execute people in the public square. Yeah. They shit all over the carpet. Shit, shit on all the carpet and built gallows. So let me, <laughs> let, the me, gallows. Let, me let me ask you, what part of the Ameri of your of your right to protest is that? Right, right. And so I just I don't buy this notion. And I think that there are a lot of people who feel like that was their right because they think this is really American. They can do what they want with it. And now I think just the notion of seeing yesterday, I I, I could not help but get teary eyed. I, well, first off, I was kind of the first a woman, the first African American, South Asian. Basically, Kamala's the whole census by herself. She <laughs> checks everybody. And she checked everybody. <laughs> but she swore in three new senators. So you have a vice president officiating the swearing of three new senators and not a white guy among them. I know. I know. And that is why we have the problem we have. That's exactly right. So on that point, the Biden-Harris administration has come in the door talking about, quote, they want to address the systemic racism that persists across our institutions today, end quote. How do you see that happening? What should they be doing? And what role should we play in that as a black community? I because think I think a lot of times, Dion, what happens is we, we are good sometimes at the uh, chest beating and we, you know, we'll push out some people who are, you know, probably shouldn't be out in front leading, right? right? 
But this moment, as you just described it, with a black woman sitting in the chair that will determine whether legislation survives or dies, right. whether this administration is successful or not, legislatively or otherwise, bringing in three new senators who are men of, of color, we should have a stake, a greater stake in this conversation than just leaving it to Kamala and, and Biden, even though she's, that, she that, checks that the requires- boxes. That's right. That w- that requires specificity. Now, what does what does that look like? I I think it obviously look like looks like accountability in almost every uh, arena, uh, in the judicial arena, in the employment arena, in the medical arena. I think that uh, accountability. I think that basically all of our problems can be solved <laughs> with lifting up black people. If you look at our mortality rates, black doctors have a better uh, ratio of protecting black women and black children. Uh, then, then white doctors do. That's not right. Th- th- those are statistics. We don't have right. to. Th- th- that's the You're making that up, right? Right. Yeah, right. That's the if number. We had more black male teachers. Then you, you, our education goes up, and they stop going to prison. They get jobs. Um, uh, if we had more black people in the judicial system, more black police officers, then we have uh, more black people lawmakers, uh, uh, black and brown law- lawmakers. Virtually all our problems can be solved by having a seat at the table, and it takes specificity. It really does. If, if, if I think that if, if a, if a, one of the things they talk about when a black kid get killed is accountability. We don't conversely ask for that. Like I instantly know exactly uh, this black dude's history, but I know nothing about the officer. Like we knew George Floyd, right. but we didn't know that the officer who brutalized him had 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 twenty allegations of. of oh of yeah! Oh, he so has a record. He has we, a rap sheet. <laughs> we didn't know that, and it cost it cost a potential vice presidential candidate their job. Sure that, did. That, so so let's be let's be fair. I think that accountability. I think that asking for specific things. Look at look at clean, how cleaning up our environment does to to the, the fact that our environments are so dirty. The, the lead that we have to do in the other carcinogens, they make us sicker, but they also make us more prone to chem- criminality. All right. the virtually a great number of the people who are in prison right now are, have high well, concentration. Flint, Michigan. Flint, That's Michigan. Exactly, I mean, exactly. you mean to tell me... You can't clean up the water supply that's being that's being fed to a largely black community right. in five years. Right. You can't. So so there are so many things. Virtually, what's good for us is good for you. Is good for America. It, it the, the number of sick that they sick and poor they have to take care. The number of people they have to incarcerate. The number of people that spend resources on in terms of education. So I just think it is this notion that they get we're getting something. Um, that 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 hurts this country and that we didn't deserve or earn. This we're doing this for you, right? <laughs> for you, <laughs> for you. When 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 civil rights passed, who benefited from it? Right, white women. White women. The largest. So everything that's good yep. for us is good for you. Yeah. And Bottom if they line. govern from that perspective, then I think that 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 because if if, if black people make more money, or poor people poor people make more money then the system's good. Black people are a lot of poor people, white people, a lot of poor people. Right. I think if we have health care, black, poor black people have health care, everybody will. I think if we have access to the, a, a great education, everybody will. So I just, right. I just think. So, the, so in accordance with your new book that you're putting out this year, is that how we survive America? Is that the prescription yeah, of how no, we survive no. America? I think we just got to be lucky. <laughs> 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 just, I was just fucking around. I was fucking around. There's, 
<laughs> you are we are two of the luckiest niggas you'll ever see. So that, let's not pretend like that. that. <laughs> it was fucking luck. Especially with me. I don't, and I don't know how the fuck you got to be a lieutenant governor. So let me just say, <laughs> or, or the chairman of the RNC. So let's, let's not pretend that we... Right. I think that... The, I, and that's just... I, I just... This is... I mean, I, I got to go to my real job. But I'll say I know, this. I'm going to let you get out of here. You have to be... They always point to the exception for black people. Oh, look at Michael. He worked his way. He did this. Right. Never the rule. But white people get to be uh, totally unexceptional and still have a great life. Right. We're not asking. All we want to be, we, we shouldn't have to be exceptional to succeed. Right. We right. should be able to be ordinary and have a great life. Everybody, well, look at Michael Jordan. Well, my, How many of them are there? How many really exceptional people are there? Everybody else ain't that. Right. So why are we judged by a standard you don't hold anybody else to? Like when they say black on black crime, which admit it, which... Why is that predicate only for us? Inner, inner, inner communal crime is, is everywhere. It's everywhere. But it's why everywhere. is it just us? And it's because we've allowed these narratives to be co-opted and ingrained in us. What is good for us, uh, we are good for us, and what's good for us is good for the country. Amen. Well, we're going to we're going to leave it there. The book is Surrender White People, Our Unconditional Terms for Peace. He's got a new book that's coming out later this year entitled How to Survive America, A Prescription. But as you just heard him say, it's just basically luck. No, no, yeah. But don't fuck the book up. I mean, but don't fuck the book up. Right. <laughs> I love you, man. D.L. Hughley, one of the best. My fave, man. I've enjoyed our time together and our conversations, which we've had now for a number of years. And I wish you all the best. And I appreciate Likewise, man. the time to come Likewise. out, babe. Likewise. And right, I think folks. that if we want to find out, if we want uh, proper prescriptions, I think that you have to be at the table, man. I really do. I think that I, I, I just think um, your blend of humanity and clarity is is not something that is, is represented, I think, reflective of your party, particularly from your yeah, man, that, well, we but I that. But I do think you have to be in the conversation. And I I would hope that you would uh, do your best to be involved in because oh, I think I we'll change be, a lot. And I, I plan to stand right next to you, my friend, because you, you no, got no, a, no, you, no, no, you got no. a voice too. You got no. a voice too, and and that's that's how I started this conversation. Is how I'm going to end it. You use your voice in a way that is not about you, and I think that matters to a lot of people out there when they hear someone who's been through the grind like you have. Who, who recognizes it ain't about me, it's about us. Folks, that does it for this, this time together. You know how I feel about the download thing. Do it whenever you can, because it makes me feel oh so yummy. You know, follow me and get download on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, wherever you get that podcast thing on. And certainly follow me on Twitter at Michael Steele. Check out the website, Michael Steele Network, www.michaelsteelnetwork. And um, I'll see you guys next week. And you know what I'm going to say right now. You know exactly what I'm going to say. Take care of yourself. Be safe. And wear the damn mask. And get the vaccination. All right, guys. Later. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I created the Sportsmanship Foundation to promote and educate parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Learn more at winnersunlimited.com. That's winnersunlimited.com. Everyone loses golf balls, even the pros. Oh! 
When you need golf balls, go to LostGolfBalls.com, the world's largest inventory of used golf balls. All the top brands in stock, 50% off retail. LostGolfBalls.com.